0: With that introduction, I would like to introduce to you um, the writer of the letter of James. The problem is that we have too many James in the New Testament to know exactly for sure 100% who it is. And so um, there are between six and seven possible Jameses in the New Testament. um, Which might only refer to just three Jameses, but we can't tell Unless they use their nicknames, one of them's nicknamed um, James the Younger, another one's nicknamed James the Just. But when there aren't nicknames, we can't figure out whether there are lots of them or just a couple of them referred to a lot of times. And so I was playing with that in my head, and then I realized that um, that it's a lot like being at Cornerstone. So um, I have a chocolate bar for whoever, and I'm just tossing it, so you better be able to catch. Whoever can come up first with the first name at Cornerstone that is the most common first name in our church. Guesses? Okay. I heard a Jennifer over there. I don't know where that was. All right, keep going. I heard... Nope. Nope. I can't even hear what you guys are saying. All right. So, if your name is Grace, stand up. If your name is Grace, stand up. All of you, stand up. Okay, there's a Grace Kim up there. I know. How am I going to do that? We're going to do it, Grace? Grace? Yeah. Okay. Come back. Stay, stay standing if your name is Grace. Um, I overthrew it, just so all of you know down below. Um. Stay standing if your name is Grace. One Sunday last year, I kid you not, I talked to six Grace Kims at Cornerstone. So, stay standing, Grace. Um, secondly, stand up. Grace, you're not standing. Grace. Stand up. All the Graces, stay up. If your name is some form of Jennifer, stand up. All the Jennies and Jennifers. And there was actually a three way tie for most common names at Cornerstone. All of you that are some form of Julie or Julia, stand up. Okay, now look around. Actually, there are like 1,037 people in our database for Cornerstone, our Cornerstone people database, which means there are 19 each of Grace's, Jennifer's, and Julie Julia's. All right? You guys, each of you, are 2% of Cornerstone is named the same (laughs) as you. All right? You guys can all sit down. And, um, and then I had to keep going. So anybody going to guess the next one? Daniel. Who said it? Daniel. The girls always get them first. All right. There are, um, hang on, let me find it here. There are 18 Daniels at Cornerstone. All right. The next one. Right? You guys are getting really bad at this. Uh, Just for the fun of it, because I haven't thrown one over there. Um, Sarah is the next one. Sarah's with an H and without an H. There are 15 Sarah's. There are 11 um, Davids. And then this one surprised me. There are 10 Alice's at Cornerstone. So, So I just don't know enough of who they are. All right. And I did this in children's ministry this morning. And somebody mentioned John, and I didn't run that. So I might be off. By one of them. All right. So to be named Grace or Jennifer or um, David or Sarah or Julie or David or Alice at Cornerstone is like being named James or Mary in the New Testament. So we just have so many and we can't figure that out who they are. It's possible there are only three Jameses. And if there are only three, then it is very likely that the author of the letter of James is actually Jesus's younger brother, James. We don't know that 100% for sure, um, because whoever the author was just assumed everybody would know who he was. So all he said at the beginning is, this is James writing to the Jews who were dispersed um, throughout the Roman Empire. But either way, whether it was the, and, and interesting, if this was the brother of Jesus, the brother of Jesus was not a believer until after Jesus was resurrected. But then he became a, really the primary leader of the young church in Jerusalem, all right? But either way, when you look through the book of James, there are some distinguishing characteristics. There are some interesting facts about the book of James. First of all, it is almost surely the first New Testament book that was ever written. All right? We're pretty sure that it was written within 10 years of when Jesus died and was resurrected. Um, And so so as the earliest book in the the New Testament that was written, it was written before the Jerusalem Council, before the church had figured out that it was okay for Gentiles to become followers of Christ. Second second interesting fact about the book of James is it has more allusions to the the teachings of Jesus than any other New Testament book, particularly the Sermon on the Mount. There are at least 15 allusions directly to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, in the book of James. Third, James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament because he, is, he talks about what it is to live a wise life. Number four, when you read through the book of James, and I encourage you during this series to read through it once or twice or maybe three times. Um, when you read through the book of James, you realize that this writer is a powerful and relentless preacher, James hits us with powerful point after point after point after point, and he hardly takes a breath. For instance, um, and many of you know this. Um, some people say that James is the best-known book of the, the New Testament, even among unbelievers. So many of you have heard this. Consider it pure joy when you suffer trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith must pr- must um, must develop, or the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, believing and not doubting. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Whoever does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, his religion is worthless. Religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that is just chapter one. And he goes on chapter after chapter and he doesn't let up with powerful persuasive points that pretty much hit us between the eyes. Um, his most famous saying, any of you? What do you think that is the that most known about James probably in the world at large? Faith without yeah, faith without works is dead. And even unbelievers know that point from the book of James. And then the fifth and last kind of interesting point about the book of James is that James is actually very, very passionate about justice. And so um, this first quote I didn't put on the screen, um, so just listen as I read this quote um, about James and justice. No, This is a commentator. says, No New Testament document has such a socially sensitized conscience and so explicitly champions the cause of the economically disadvantaged, the victims of oppression or unjust wage agreements, and the poor who are seen in the widows and orphans who have no legal defender to speak up for their rights. The rich merchants, the luxury-loving agricultural magnates are held up to withering and scornful approach. Not only are their practices condemned as being part of their profane attitude that forgets God and boasts in proud achievement, their treatment of the workers and the needy is forthrightly exposed." James is such a powerful writer about justice that that it is a threat and has been over the centuries seen as a threat to dictatorial regimes. So another commentator wrote this, and I put this one on the screen. If the letter of James were sent to the Christian communities of certain countries that suffer from violence and exploitation, it would very possibly be intercepted by government security agencies. The document would be branded as subversive. The voice of James, James has potent words about economic injustice and public policy. So if you are truly passionate about justice in your generation, in your life, and in this world, it is very likely that you should memorize major parts of the letter of James. So um, this morning, I just want to concentrate on a couple verses in James chapter 1 because there's so much there that we can't obviously can't cover all of it. And the verses I want to cover with you are James 1, to 25. And the reason that I picked these verses out of all of them in the chapter is because in James 1, to 25, James gives us the two absolutely essential biblical ingredients to have a blessed life. James gives us the, the essential two ingredients to have a blessed life. So let me read the scripture to you. I'm going to read it to you a number of times this morning because I want you to be impacted by the power of this preacher. James writes and says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all his doing. So James gives us two essential ingredients if we want to be blessed in what we do in our lives. Um, First one is we must be hearers of the word. Secondly we must be doers of the word. You cannot have one without the other. If you're a hearer only, you will not be blessed in what you do in your life. If you try to if you don't hear then you can hardly do, so if you try to only do without hearing, you will not be blessed in your life. This is James's equivalent to Jesus in the Beatitudes saying who it will be in the world, who in the world will be blessed. And to be blessed by God in all we do. We must have these two ingredients. But before we look at each of them in turn, we actually have to back up and we have to figure out and understand more clearly when James says to be hearers of the word and doers of the word, what does he mean by the word? Now, since James was the earliest written book of the New Testament, it is actually the most Jewish book of the New Testament. Because again, it was written to Jews before Gentiles had become Christians. So if you were a Jew in the first century church, and you read the book of James, when you got to the point where James says that we have to be hearers of the word and doers of the word, when you get to that point where James says to look into the perfect law, it would be tempting for you to think just of the Torah. Because that was the perfect law, the first five books of the Old Testament. And while that is partly true, it is a reduction. Likewise, if you are a Gentile Christian and if you grew up in the church that really believes that the scriptures are our only sufficient rule for life and faith, when we read the word in passages such, such as this, we tend to reduce it to just the scriptures, which is partly true, but still a reduction. In Christianity, we do believe that the scriptures are our only sufficient rule for life and faith. The scriptures are the word of God. So in 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes and says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when James says to be hearers of the word and doers of the word, it clearly includes to, to be hearers of the Scriptures and doers of the Scriptures. But the word that, that, um, that James uses here when he talks about the word is the word logos. And the word logos is applied to Jesus Christ, especially in John chapter 1, verse 1. Um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That is the same word that, that James uses when he says that we are to be hearers and doers of the word. Which means in addition to being hearers and doers of the scripture, We are also hearers and doers of what Jesus has said, which we we know clearly in the Gospels themselves. But then there's a third way that we have to understand. So we have the written Word of God, we have the living Word of God, but we also have the active Word of God. And in Christianity, we believe because Jesus told us that he gave us the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit would clearly comfort us, but the Spirit would also remind us of everything that Jesus has taught. So the Spirit brings us the active Word of God in our day-to-day lives. So with that clarity, when James says that we must be hearers and doers of the Word, it means that we must respond to the Scriptures, we must hear and do what is in the Scriptures, we must hear and do what Jesus has told us, and we must hear and do what the Holy Spirit prompts us to hear and do day to day in our lives. All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about what it means to be hearers of the word, what it means to, or, or what it, how important it is actually to God that we listen to him. So if you run a word study in the scriptures and just type in listening or hear or hearing, you will be in awe how, how, of how often God says, my people listen to my voice. My people hear what I have to say. Listen to me so I can bless you. Why do you not listen? I called to you and you would not hear. It is a common refrain of God in the scriptures to plead with his people to hear his voice. Sometimes I think of that and think, how foolish can people be in the Old Testament and then we'll listen to Jesus in the New Testament. How foolish can people be that they wouldn't listen to the, the words of God? And then I think of my own life and how I can go day after day after day without listening to the Word, to the Scriptures, to what Jesus would say, to how the Spirit prompts me. And then we get to Jesus, and Jesus has things to say like, those who have ears to hear, let them listen. At the end of the parable of the soils, Jesus says, pay, therefore pay careful attention to how you listen. Jesus encourages us to listen Listen and to hear. Um, The constant message of God in the scriptures and in Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit calling us to pay attention, the constant message of God is please listen to me so that I can bless you. And this is the crazy part, everybody. We have complete control over this. We can choose to listen day by day, moment by moment, or not. It's completely within our power. We can choose to do some form of Scripture reflection and intake every day. We can choose to to concentrate on the words of Jesus in the Gospels and to meditate on those in some way every day. We can choose to be attentive when the Word is preached. On on Sundays, to be attentive in our small groups when we're talking about the Word. We can choose to tune our ears to hear the Holy Spirit. We can choose to check in with the Holy Spirit moment by moment through the days of our lives or not. The the, um, prophet Isaiah has this incredible verse that I just want to read to you because of its beauty Um, and by how it calls us to listen daily. Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5 says, The Sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears, and I've not been rebellious. I've not drawn back. Can I encourage you? If you want to be blessed in what you do... The scriptures say that we must listen. We must hear the word in the scriptures, the word through Jesus, and the word through the Holy Spirit. The problem is, you all, most of you already know that. So let me come at this from a back door. Because we've been, we've been telling people, listen to God for decades in the church. And, um, and it's only marginally effective. So let me come at this from a different direction. The reality is we are all being shaped by some word, somewhere, somehow. The reality is that we are being shaped by what we listen to. And if we do not choose to listen to the word of God, other words will shape us and they will enslave us. The world has many voices and many words that it wants us to hear. Words like be successful, go to a better school, get a better job, get a better car, get a better house, get a better wife, get a better girlfriend. Live to please people, because if you don't meet people's expectations, you will not succeed. Make more money, get more prestige, get more power, get more sex. Your value is wrapped up in your grades, your profession, your promotions, and your possessions. Look out for number one. Treat with contempt anyone with whom you do not agree or who does not meet your expectations. Spend more, drink more, party more. There are all kinds of messages that the world wants us, and if we do not choose to listen for the word of God, the words of the world will shape us. Um, And they do. Every day that we do not check in through the day to hear what God has to say to us is a day that the world is shaping us in its own ways, in its own rules. And the deal is this. The world will enslave us with its lies if we don't replace it by seeking to hear the word of God. If we don't seek the word of God Our fallen, broken, wounded selves will also have word after word after word that will try to shape us. Here's how our flesh speaks to us. It says, I am not good enough. I am not attractive enough. I am not popular enough. I am not smart enough. I am not capable enough. I am not diligent enough. Or I am too much, too much to handle, too much to be loved. I will always be lonely It's always my fault, or it's never my fault. If people treat me a certain way, they do not respect me. I must be in control. Instead of being anxious for nothing because I trust God, our fallen self says be anxious for many things because God cannot be trusted. Our fallen self will yell at us and shape us with its lies. And here's the thing. These are not truths. These are traps. To enslave us. So if we don't pursue. Hearing the word of God. The words of the world. And the words of our fallen flesh. Will shape us. And it is. Powerful. In how the self talk. And the world talk. Starts to make us in. Its image. So the only protection. Is to daily. And throughout the day. Seek to be hearers. Of the Word of God. All this said, and you have to start here, okay? James pretty much assumed that his people were here, but we can't assume that in our culture anymore. We have to start by being hearers of the Word, which is why James says, look intently into the perfect law that gives liberty. But being hearers alone is not enough, which is kind of James's main point. Let me read the scripture to you again. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James in just a, a very short parable. He compares and contrasts. Those who are hearers only. With those who are hearers and doers. And here's the, the kind of just thing that just wrecks your soul. If you hear only. You will be self deceived. And you won't even know it. And the problem is. Many of us know many people in the church who are proud of how often they go to church and how much they read the scripture or how much they recognize scriptural allusions, but their souls don't reflect the character of Jesus. And they wreck our lives and they wreck our churches. They are, but if you ask them, they think they are doing fine. They are self-deceived. We will all become that if we don't make a resolution that we will always be doers of every word of God that we hear. If we don't make that resolution, then out of our passivity we will turn into the people that we most disrespect in the generation before us. What a waste. What a waste. The only way to not live a life of wasted self-deception is to become a, not just a hearer but a doer of the word. Um, And then James talks about these doers of the word. And he says that they live integrated lives in the truth that sets them free. That's the great glory about being hearers and doers of the word. We are set free. The perfect law gives liberty. We are set free to be our truest selves in the world to express the love that we're supposed to get, give the world, to receive the love that we're supposed to receive from the world, when we are hearers and doers of the word, then we can live in a glorious freedom of the people of God. Whenever we are in bondage to the lies of the world or the flesh or self-deception, it's because we miss somewhere either hearing or doing the word of God. So I want to ask you to make a commitment because it would be it would be a travesty to hear this message from James and not do something about it. I'd like to encourage you to make a solemn commitment or to remake it if you've already made this commitment before. Make a solemn commitment that you will never ever 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 hear the word either the word in scripture or the word from Jesus or the word of the spirit You will never, ever, 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 ever hear it without doing something about it. Passivity will enslave you. Every time you hear the word, will you please just ask, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? If you don't do something, you step into layers of self-deception in your life. So in John chapter 13, Jesus says, If you know these things and do them, you will be blessed. Romans 2.13 says, It's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. In 1 John, John writes, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And the message that you're going to hear over and over over these next four um, weeks at Cornerstone from the book of James, faith without works is dead. Brothers and sisters, if we do not develop habits and strategies of hearing and attending to the word and habits and strategies of responding and doing the word, then we will be enslaved by the world and the flesh and our own self-deception. Two ingredients. Two ingredients to be blessed in all that you do. Be a hearer of the word of God and be a doer of the word of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we meet James and, um, and if we spend any time at all in reflection, we are regularly... Um, overwhelmed by the power of what he has to say. The power of what he has to say against rich oppressors. The power of what he has to say against um, partiality and discrimination. The power of what he has to say about religion that is worthless. Help us to hear your voice, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through the writings of this powerful and persuasive preacher, help us to hear and do so that we can set a trajectory of the living lives of the glorious freedom of the children of God. I pray, Father, that every person in this room will live a life that is gloriously blessed because we renew our commitment day by day to be hearers and to be doers of your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.